hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. And every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted television. Today on the podcast, I'm very excited to talk to our first studio executive, Miss Jennifer O'Connell. She's the head of Unscripted at Lionsgate Television. And you might know Lionsgate from the scripted side. They've got hits like Orange is the New Black and Nashville. But in the last few years, they have really ramped up their unscripted TV side. And part of that was thanks to bringing in Jen. And she oversees development and the many pods that they have, producers that work under the Lionsgate banner. And some of them are even celebrities like Christina Aguilera and Craig Ferguson. Jen's had a big career overseeing some of the biggest shows in reality TV, like Biggest Loser and Real Housewives of New York City. She's also just one of those executives in the business who everyone just seems to love. Okay. Jen O'Connell, I'm so happy you're oh here. Oh, my God. This is ex- your first podcast. My very first podcast. I'm a podcast virgin. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Mazel tov. Thank you. <laughs> I say to the O'Connell. <laughs> but I feel like you're honorary. I am honorary. We connect. So Jen yeah. and I know each other for a few months. Um, I came in to do a general, as we say in Hollywood, a general <laughs> meeting with you. A little meet and greet. A little meet, yeah, wink, wink, because we ended up um, doing a sizzle reel together, a development deal together. They had a a show that had come in through one of their overall deals with Silver Pictures, Joel Silver's company. It was a cooking show, and she kind of needed someone to take it over and develop it, and I happened to be in the right place at the right time. So my first gig in town was was with Lionsgate, so that's how Jen and I met. Was it your first? Yeah, I mean, I was here like three weeks. Oh my God. Yeah. I just, the second I met you, I was like, (laughs) she's like going to make things happen. Like, I can count on that lady. She's going to have a podcast soon. I can feel it. I can feel it. (laughs) And if I want to be on that podcast, I should have her do something for me. I should hire her. Yeah, I mean, it's and people are just trying to, all creative ways to get on this podcast, you know. I can see that. <laughs> Forget it. So I could immediately tell, A, that, yeah, we were going to connect, and B, that you were just a smart cookie and a great executive. So, um, And also someone who's had, like, a real resume in reality TV, which is what this oh, is all about, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it I guess makes it's me feel tar- so important. You are important. Hello. Well, first of all, and I said this in your intro, but every – and this is not just to blow smoke up your butt, but you're one of those – in fact, when Brant was – I had – taped a podcast before Jen and when he was leaving and I, he said who's coming in I said Jen O'Connell I love Jen and that's like anyone I swear to God who I say I'm working with Jen O'Connell I love Jen so oh, who are your enemies so nice. Jen we need to know right oh, now I have secret enemies <laughs> I feel like I have my own dark list of people Ooh, that I, I want to see it so badly <laughs> we'll do like it you've air. wronged me in the past yeah. I'll never forget it but oh. I mean this this town it's we're all in it together it's like a crazy dysfunctional family (laughs) and one day you're working for someone the next day they're working for you the day after that you know they're a buyer then they're a seller like you know you just you have to look at everyone like you have to embrace everyone for their (laughs) individualness for their you know and just kind of I don't know I think I've always been accepting and this is where my time with the housewives and other kooky characters. <laughs> I think this is where it works. I think that I approach everyone in our business with like you're special for whatever reason and I'm going to if that quirk is annoying to me, well that also makes you special. So and special in quotes. Special is always in quotes. <laughs> and some of those quotes are like frustrating quotes and some of them are 
I love you. Yeah, you're special. You're cute. (laughs) So it's interesting because you started out, I know you've sort of had some smaller or, you know, bottom of the resume jobs before, but I guess your first real job as a real important network executive was at NBC, not doing reality, doing Yeah, well, I'll... So before I went to NBC, I was actually one of my favorite jobs was at Disney Channel. Before I went to NBC, Ooh. I was making kid movies there. I don't know if you've heard of Johnny Tsunami, um. but you probably have not. <laughs> what year was that? <laughs> Let me tell you. I have a connection with millennials because they when I worked at Disney Channel doing those movies, it was I left like right before the big one high school musical, but I did a bunch of them before I left. And it's like the millennials now that I work with were just growing up watching those oh movies when I was a, when I was that age, when right. I was like in my 20s, early 20s, mid 20s. Wow. So I was doing kid movies. That was like my first real executive job. I worked at Disney Channel for Rich Ross and Gary Marsh. And, right. And then from there. Wait, is Johnny Tsunami famous today? It's not like Zac Efron, is it? No. Is oh, no, 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 no. Poor one. Johnny is. I think he's a bartender <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Okay. <laughs> he's not one it of the never went child to the next. Star. It never went to the next. And I did a bunch of. I did a bunch of those okay. movies. But so that was my first real executive fun. job, and it was so fun. Really cut my teeth on production and and development, um, and then left because it was the first phase of the dot com craze, mm. and I thought traditional media was like. <laughs> So embarrassing. Yeah, you're ahead and of the curve. <laughs> I need to get out there and like make, you know, web series that are the size of a postage stamp. Like back then, <laughs> right. you there was like buffering took five hours. You know, there was yeah, there it was, was like dial up. Yeah. It was like dial it was like you had to hear the before you <laughs> before you watch your show. Yeah. So I did that for three months and thought like, oh my God, I'm gonna strike it rich and yeah. like change my life forever. And <laughs> Did How'd that not, work? Didn't happen. <laughs> didn't ha- I'm sitting here instead of on my <laughs> private island. So um, so that didn't work. But I did it for three months, which felt like three years. And then NBC called saying they were looking for a movie executive. And I had worked with a producer that had done one of the Disney Channel movies, was now a buyer at NBC, was, the, was running the movie department. So got the call. Went there and NBC was that was that was like the next that was the big step for me. Yeah, because I did movies and minis. I grew up while I was there. I got married, bought a house, had two kids like wow. A seven year span was able to live through several regimes, you know, the network president shuffle to be there for that and to see people coming and going and. How? Now, were you there during friends years or was that I was way? I okay. was there towards the very end. Okay. And wow. Yeah. Did you get to meet Jennifer Aniston? No, I didn't. <laughs> Not when I was there. I didn't. Damn it. I know. So what were some of the things that you oversaw that we would know? Like some of the so mini, minis when, and movies. So when I was um, at NBC, I did a movie called 10.5. It was a miniseries. It was basically the big one hits the West Coast and California breaks off into the sea. Oh, God, I never want to see that. Like, I'm not going to see San Andreas <laughs> ever. It, like, it's just too it was, scary. It was, it's basically the same movie. Right. They yeah. just kind of made it a feature. Yeah. We, yeah. So so oh, I did God. that. I did the Matthew Shepard story, which I'm really proud of. And that, did that win an Emmy? That was Emmy nominated. Wow. Um, Stockard Channing won an Emmy for her role wow. as Matthew's mom. And um, that was 
that was a it was a really that was Incredible. a really a great experience and that's one of the I, ones you can feel good. I about. feel really good about yeah. yeah. And then I did. It's a very merry Muppet Christmas movie, of course. So I mean, who right. doesn't want to work with a Muppet? From Matthew Shepard to Kermit, <laughs> I can do anything. It really, you're I'm so just very broad. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you like working with puppets? I I found it fascinating. I mean Muppets. Muppets. <laughs> yes, we pushed the envelope on that. I think we. I think we. Um, Poor Brian Henson was like, "What are you doing to my like my father's legacy?" <laughs> Single-handedly we really, ruining it. Yeah, because we had at one point like Rizzo the rat was like get, getting eaten on Fear Factor, you know, Stop. in our version. We really it was synergy it. across all it brands. Was, we, yeah, we I love synergy and I went for it. So um, that's funny. So it, it was fun, and we did um, a remake of Carrie, and we did a bunch of really fun movies and minis. But then that business started to die out. Yeah, and and people were making fewer and fewer, and especially at the broadcast networks. So at the time, Jeff Gaspin was then my boss. And he was he my was boss's doing... boss at VH1. Oh, he I think was? after NBC. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or before... Oh no, before no, this he was, was at before. NBC twice. Yeah. He did right, NBC, right, the, so... right. He did the Dateline back in the day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so no, this was after. Okay. So he so he oversaw movies, minis, and reality. Right. And I was a huge reality watcher. I loved it. I loved The Bachelor. I loved Survivor. <laughs> right. I loved all those shows, and um, and. NBC was really getting into that business with The Apprentice and Fear Factor. And and so I said to him one day, you know, I'm getting kind of bored with movies. I mean, we're not doing that many, and I love reality shows. So if you just want an extra hand, I'm happy to, you know, help out. Help out. <laughs> you know, no, ch- coffee. no charge. No charge. I'll just do it. Yeah. And he was like, well, actually, we need another executive because we're doing so many now. Why don't you just – do that full time. Why don't you just move over and do reality, even though I had no experience. But we were all in the same yeah. department together. He knew how I operated. I knew how he operated. Like it was, you know, we were a, a little close-knit family in that team. Yeah, and he saw what I believe is, you know, if you're a good executive, it doesn't matter what genre, what network, what company, you know, you're a good executive and you get TV. Well, so, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I do believe that. I, yeah, yeah. I think that know? I think that our skills can be applied to. I hope so. Or we're useless. Otherwise, well, <laughs> we're just by useless. the way, I'm totally useless. Right outside of TV. Out, outside by the way, TV, we have no skills. I have no skills. <laughs> I will have to go back to my college cocktail waitressing days. Exactly. Like that is all I know how to do. Always is, a job there. Yeah, always. There's always people who want a cocktail. <laughs> Absolutely. So, You've got your fallback plan. So I've got my. That's my fallback plan. <laughs> so you moved into so reality. I moved into reality, and the first show that I worked on was The Biggest Loser. And it was season one. It was just getting figured out. Worked with such great people. You know, was able. It was three different entities actually working on the show together. So you had JD Roth and Three Ball, and his whole team, and they're amazing. And then you had Ben Silverman and Mark Coops and Revel. You know, with Reveille yeah. and that whole team. Right. And then Dave Broom, who's doing a ton of stuff on TV right now. Yeah. And he um, create. He's considered the creator. So he created it. But I think, but it morphed from the original right. idea. It just became a collaboration. But it was he originally spoke with Jeff Gaspin about Jeff Gaspin about doing an idea in the fitness space where trainers and people trying to lose weight competed against each other, and then it kind of it evolved over over time. 
And that's that like group. a personal passion of his, right? Because now he's got this incredible yeah. Netflix show with, like, did he used to be fat? Is there like a backstory there? I don't know. <laughs> you curious. can ask him. I'm happy to hook you up with yeah, him because he has interesting on. stories to tell. Um, you know, I don't know what drove him, yeah. but he does a lot in this space. And he, it's funny because I remember even when I was working at NBC and being on calls with him and we would make fun of him because he would be out of breath because he was on his stationary bike <laughs> right. while he's on the phone with us. Right. It's so like, he is a, he's definitely he's a fitness fit. fanatic. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> he lives it. Wow. So, it, yeah. So that was, and he brought a lot to the table, um, but you, they all did. It was great. That's a great, yeah. Those are some heavy hitters. Yeah. Did you know it was going to be a hit while you were putting it together? No idea. None. No idea. We had no. That was the we first one. We didn't even know what the tone of the show right, should be. Right. I mean, the title alone, "The Biggest Loser," when we first launched it, a lot of people were upset by right. the title because <laughs> right. they thought we're just making fun of overweight right. people, and we were like, "No, no, no!" But it's about how much weight you lose, right. it's and the best, thing. and you want to be the biggest loser, and 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 you know, but TV, you know, the public doesn't like to listen to TV if they right. feel like they're being insulted they're yeah. gonna look at it that way but i think very quickly right people got over the it. audience realized oh you're really not making fun you really are embracing you want to be the biggest loser but it was a little controversial in the beginning yeah no i remember that and whose idea whose brilliant idea was it to put them all in like sports bras and reveal i'm not saying this tongue-in-cheek i really i mean because that was oh to show off yeah, to the show shape. the body that I was a big deal. I don't know who's a. I I don't know who gets credit for that one. Because that was the first show. I mean, let's say every show, every weight loss show after that copied it, so it became we were used to it. Yeah. And now when you see, it, you don't yeah. even blink twice. You're like, of course they're just wearing a sports bra. I do remember <laughs> going to that first weigh in <laughs> and like, seeing and seeing people get on the scale and and being and think feeling a little sensitive about it myself. Like, right. wow, like. They're really showing everything. <laughs> right. Like it is. There's no because I think you're right. You know, in society, I think there's a lot of cover up. Like right. you're just covering yourself up all the time. Right. If you're insecure about your body and what it looks like. And did and, they feel sensitive about it? Yeah. 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 I think were there they tears? Did. Like I don't want to do this. I'm sure there were a few. Yeah. I don't remember. I'm so old. Right. So yeah, long yeah. ago. Well, this is. I mean, what season is it in now? Like oh 20 million? I, I mean, yeah. they've had so many. Yeah. And, um, and it goes on. And then, you know, Bob and Jillian. I think I'm, you know, it's really, I'm proud of the fact that everyone was brave enough like to hire non-famous right. people to come in to whip these people into shape. Was that a very involved casting process? Like, it was. You saw so, a lot of people? So, I remember meeting Bob for the first time, asked Allison Kaz, who's an amazing casting director, and found them. And you should definitely have on your podcast. You could do, you could talk to I'd her love for to. hours. Okay, great. She, um, she and I worked out with Bob. He worked he, and that's oh, how no I got way. to know him. So the two of us went to, and he came in and did the whole thing and did the meetings. Yeah. But we went and worked out with him. And I and think I, th- I think I threw up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I, I definitely think I threw up. Yeah. Um, but I remember him being an amazing person. You could just amazing. I mean, instantly. And yeah. both men and women. So as we were, as we were, you know, going through the process, what I kept hearing from people that knew him because he used to teach at Equinox, mm-hmm. and people would fight to get into his class. Spinning. 
I think was it, it spinning? I don't. It could have been spinning. It might have been camp. spinning. I'm not or, sure what yeah. it was, but all I know is that like lines out the door. Lines out the door, and both men and women were yeah. like, "I think he has a crush on me." Oh, definitely, yeah. And I was like, "Wow, that is a yeah. really charismatic person <laughs> that everyone under the sun just wants Bob to like them." Yeah. And 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 then it also translates to, "I want to do a good job for Bob. Mm-hmm. I have. I want to make him proud." Mm-hmm. And so he had that. A just warm, amazing, like personality that you couldn't resist, and, and Jillian, oh. and Jillian on the other hand, <laughs> the other hand. you're terrified that to warm disappoint. Fuzzy. Yeah, <laughs> so she came in. She didn't work me out, and I don't think I ever worked out with her because I think I would have died. <laughs> but she, I remember she came into our office with a little sports bra and workout pants, and she just brought it not only did she look amazing like her body is just insane sick but she the attitude it was that it was that i'm gonna take charge and i'm gonna make shit happen and am i allowed to curse on podcast we love cursing on the podcast (laughs) and what's so great about her is she's so unselfconscious I mean, oh, sorry, yeah. that's how she appears. She may not be, yeah. but that's how she No appear. filter. Yeah, doesn't give a shit. Does not give one and shit. For like, yes. a, for like an unknown commodity. Like, as you know, because for ta- casting talent for years, they need there's usually a big ramp-up period of comfortability on camera oh, and yeah. being green. She seems like she, from day one, was probably oh, yeah. a natural. Oh, she was. <laughs> I mean, they both were. And Did they have chemistry? They did. They 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 liked each other, but very competitive. And you know, Good look for the at show. what they do right. for the show. It's in their spirit. It's what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but very very competitive with one another. But I think they really respected each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I it was it was cool to break new talent. And now look at them. They both have huge franchises of their own, which is which is cool. And do you keep in touch with them? I I, I lost touch with them. It's been a long time since I was at NBC, and so we ended right. up losing touch. But now, if I ran into them, it'd, it'd be all it'd be fine. Hugs yeah. and push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> so were you then? So that show goes on. It's a hit, pretty much out of the gate, yeah. right? Yeah. Were you then Jen O'Connell, the hit executive who you know got Biggest Loser on the air? Like, were you? Did you no, get lots of credit? No, and you know why? <laughs> I mean, I, I I got you know it because it's a I it was a team effort obviously and on the network side it's like all it is is like okay what's net what right. else can we do what else right. can we do and it was a time where we were all hit makers yeah right we were there we were there i was there a little bit after the beginning mm-hmm. when i joined some of those great big juggernauts were already on the air but you could throw anything on it would work and and it a lot of times it worked not always but Many times it worked. I had failure just as much as I had yeah. success. What were some of the? The Apprentice was another big one. The Apprentice was, was a big yeah. one at the at NBC at the time. Fear Factor was right. a big one, obviously. Did, I'm, work, I'm working with Matt Keenitz now. And oh, you else. Are, Matt, oh right, right. The guy behind Fear Factor NBC. Yeah. We're working on a show. Something for him. Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Kicking and Screaming. Uh, so funny, Brandt, who I just taped with before you, was saying he can't wait to. That's one of the ones he's really looking forward oh, to really? seeing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, and saying, why didn't I think of it? <laughs> it is one of those ideas right? where it's oh. like, duh. Yeah. Why didn't I think of yeah. that? So did you work with Donald Trump at all? No, I didn't work on that show. I met him once. Yeah. But it was, in un- I wish I had a good Trump story. No. All right. Moving on. Yeah. So then how, so then you had a great run at NBC. So I had a great run at NBC. I had two kids. Um, while I was on maternity, and NBC, let me tell you, was fantastic with supporting me. As a woman, as a mom, 
Um, great to hear. It was it was great. So I had my first kid there, took off the regular amount of time for maternity leave. Second time, I was like, okay, I'm never doing this again. Right. <laughs> I love my kids, but I can't, right. if I have three, I'll jump out the window. Like I can't, this right. is not, yeah. So I decided to take six months off. Wow. And they completely supported that. They said it was fine. I just wanted to enjoy yeah. that time in my life that I knew I'd never get back. Good and they you. let me do it. And were you really gone? Like, I, was this before we were on our iPhones 24-7? I was. Well, I had a BlackBerry. Right. Well, you're so dating yourself. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I am totally dating myself. Um, so I was in the loop. I was attached. I was tethered, but not. Got it. I wasn't. You were really able to be with your kids. I was able to be with my kids. Yeah. Were uh, you worried that. You weren't going to be able to get back right into the game. No, good for you. I just didn't care. Good for you. I, I have too much. I have too much self. Like I, yeah, I know I'm awesome and I'll be fine. Yeah, like I. Good. Was like, it was like uh, you know, it's fine. Right. What right. am I going to do? I can't worry about that. There's too many other things <laughs> right. to worry about right. than yeah, you know, a six month time period. And yeah. so I took the time off. They were really amazing. And then I came back part time for a year. Wow. And they let me do that too. And it was really part time. It was well, no. <laughs> Here's my never advice. Part -time. Here's my advice. Never go part time. Yeah, it's exactly. bullshit. Full time it and just take really... off Fridays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll just work from home. Exactly. Now it's so much easier to work yes. from home. I think it was even right. even just, then. Yeah. Still was two thousand five. Right. When I had my daughter, it was still People didn't work from home as much as they do yes. now. It just wasn't as right. You weren't easy. as available all the time. Yeah. Now you're just always available. Always, no matter where 20, you are, twenty four seven. Right. So, but they let me take you know that year as a part timer, and it was I worked on Biggest Loser and a couple other little projects, but Biggest Loser was the big one. And then I and then I thought, okay, well here's the deal. I've been here seven years. I love what I do, but I've always had this producing itch, always, like since I started. I always had these jobs where I was usually on the buying side, but right. I was always like jealous. That I want to be the one. In. Right. Yeah, like when, when they would come in with their ideas and their pitches <laughs> right. and, and, you know, juggling all these projects right. and pitching all over town. I always thought like, oh, you're kind of having more fun than I am right now. Yeah. You know, and I- Grass is always greener. The grass is always greener. <laughs> But I also had no idea if I would be good at it and mm -hmm. if I would like it. Mm -hmm. But I needed to figure it out. So hmm. I went to my boss at the time, who at, at the time was Craig Plestis, and said, um, listen, I really want to try to produce. And he was like, huh? Okay. <laughs> and to his credit, he's, we had something in-house that we were developing. It was this dating show. And he said, all right, why don't you go EP that show with – and we'll give it to Three Ball. And we'll, you know, because Three Ball, we had been in business with on a lot of stuff. So, so JD Roth and his company, they produced it. And I what was show like, was it? It was called um, The Science of Love. And it was basically a dating show. Wait, was this Eva Longoria's? No. Or this was Juliana and Bill? Like, no, this was like long before. <laughs> like this way was, before. We're talking 2006 now. So oh, I don't this, even remember this So one. this, it was just a pilot. Okay, that's probably why. And that's why you don't remember it. So it was a pilot that we did. They aired the pilot, but they didn't pick it up to series. Got it. So the pilot was basically um, a guy has, has to choose between his heart and hormones basically um <laughs> hmm. and when i say hormones i really right. mean his penis got it um <laughs> you had to choose between that and what science deems to be the perfect match for him so we had this so we did all this testing 
kind of um, what they do on the FYI show, right? Isn't that how they do the um, Married at First Sight? Like those scientists run kind of. all that data? Yes, kind of. Okay. So we did that, and it was, but it was standalone, and it was like, you know, and so for his penis partner, he got to choose the date, and he would pick a girl out of all of, you know, he picked the hot girl that he really is attracted to. Right. And he would, like, take her out on whatever kind of date he thought was great. Right. And then science chose who we thought was perfect for him. And then we staged their date. So we, like, had them go bungee jumping together, like, tied together because when you do things like that it raises elevates like all of you're these touching cool, you're touching and the fear factor of oh, it all adrenaline. And adrenaline adrenaline rush and there are certain like hormones that get triggered and chemicals in your body that get like, yeah. dopamine that get triggered when you're doing something like that that bonds you closer together so we did all of these things to kind of and we made them eat aphrodisiacs which is like ridiculous <laughs> and just like Oysters. not even true oh yeah but um but we and then he had to. In the end, he had to choose. So which what one he won out? I'm dying to know. So he chose penis or heart. He chose. <laughs> he chose. <laughs> he chose science, but it just what it was like a cute show, but it wasn't like amazing. Right. It was fine. It didn't it break through. It did not get picked up. Right. And so you, but that was your first but producing that, yeah, experience. Yeah. So that was my first like real producing experience, and I loved it. And so I went back to them and was like, I really want to see if I can make do this full time like I want and they were like what right, but you have a job like you have a full time job here and you're going to go not make any money and see if you can like sell shows you're you like I think they looked at me like I still had like crazy mom hormones going right. surging through my body <laughs> but uh, but I really just needed to try to do it and mm-hmm. so so I left NBC to pursue my dream to be a producer, <laughs> and I'm really glad I did. It was yeah. it was, I just had to take that leap and do it. So then I went to so I was on my own, and an agent said to me, "Don't do a deal anywhere. Just see if you can sell some stuff on your own right, first, and right. then go from there. See what see what happens." So I was working with an agent at the time who was sending me out on general meetings with people. Right. So I would pitch my ideas to these produ- production companies since I didn't have one. And we would partner, and then we were going to go out and pitch and pitch shows. So um, Jenny Daly is a, a person that I sold one of my first ideas to. It was called um, Phil fathers i'd like to have to be oh, like the pc version of milf right I guess. that's funny but um so and she ended up so anyway so we worked on that together she ended up selling it to bravo nice but in the meantime one of my general meetings was actually a job interview i didn't realize it and that was with shed media right at the time they were called ricochet and ricochet at the time just had super nanny on the air and a little show was just about to start production called Manhattan Moms. <laughs> and uh, so I re- it's a British company, and they wanted to expand. They wanted to grow. And I really loved the guy who was running the company here, Nick Emerson. He just seemed very cool, very smart. And, um, and I, liked, I liked the vibe. And I thought, okay, well, instead of come developing my shows for free not making any money (laughs) why that's so fun yeah right (laughs) and you know my kids thought I worked at the coffee shop like (laughs) serving coffee um when I was really on my laptop trying to drum up ideas but I it it just felt like okay if I'm going to try to produce why not do it with a production company so I started there and um my first day on the job 
my boss was on vacation for a couple weeks. And, you know, those Brits, when they go on vacation, they check out. <laughs> right. Holiday. There was, there was, they, he was on holiday. <laughs> there was no reaching him. Right. So I was, I was um, first day on the job, Manhattan Moms, which, which later became the Real Housewives of New York City, mm-hmm. was gearing up. And the network exec from Bravo called me and said, where's our fifth housewife? Um, I was told to talk to you. If you don't get that housewife, we're shutting down the show. And I was like, Ooh. oh, wow. So this is what it's like to produce. So. Oh, I can't wait to freak. So it already cast Jill Zarin mm-hmm. and Bethany because she brought on. Mm-hmm. But no, OK, Bethany's the fifth housewife. <laughs> Bethany was the and fifth And Jill, housewife. it was Jill's idea, right? Wasn't, Jill had they a know connection. Yeah, they kind of loose. They knew each other. Right. They were at events together in the Hamptons, and Jill was helpful for sure. Right. Oh, but you in. knew Bethany because she was on Martha's show at NBC. Yes. Yeah, so I didn't work on that show, but okay. I was obsessed with it. Yeah. And I was very upset that she didn't win. Right. She was the runner-up. And on I Martha thought, Stewart's Apprentice. Yes, on Martha Stewart's Apprentice, Bethany came in second place. And I always thought she was robbed. It was so Bethany it was, owes her career to Jen O'Connell. This is she amazing. She doesn't owe her career to me. <laughs> Forget but, Andy Cohen, lady. But she will tell you if you run yeah. into her, if you said who fought for you to get on the show, wow. she would she would say me. Wow. Well, because because she wasn't right. So she wasn't a housewife. So here's she the wasn't problem. married. She, she was right. she was so we were looking for women who had right, children and who right. were married, or at least you right. were married Manhattan at moms. one point. Manhattan moms was yeah. the name of the show. And and the pitch was the problem was she was on Martha Stewart, and so the at the time, in in reality history, right, at that time you couldn't cross over. <laughs> yeah. It was like oh, used used right, goods, right, right. But she was, I mean, we all know she's amazing on TV. Gold. She's TV gold, yeah. and she didn't have a husband, but she had a boyfriend. Right. She didn't have kids, but her boyfriend had. But she kids. had a dog, and she <laughs> but she had a dog, Cookie, and she wanted kids one day. Right. And she. She was not wealthy, but she played in a very wealthy playground. Yeah. She went to the parties. Right. She lived the life. She looked fa- fabulous. Yeah. She had the best clothes. You know, I'm sure she was borrowing clothes right. and, ha- you know, favors and everything else. Yes. But she she was she, living the lifestyle, and she wanted she wanted to build something for her, and she had aspirations for her business. Mm-hmm. So, the you know, the pitch was like... Basically, the pitch was begging by the end. Like, please, 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 just <laughs> please, just let us, she's yeah. the best. Like, please, like, trust us, let her do it. Right. Um, and ultimately, Bravo did agree. And the rest is history. I mean, she was so amazing. And then Incredible. look at her life now. She just, she, but she, it, she, ha, she, the day that she started on that show, before she started on that show, she had a mission to start her own business. Yeah. She I, had her eye on the prize from day one. So the the dream about Bethany is she has no filter and she doesn't want to have a filter and she is authentic and all of those things were so amazing. And hilarious. And hilarious. And she was like the Greek chorus for the show. <laughs> right. She right. She said what the audience was thinking. <laughs> right. And um and and really just captured everyone's yeah, attention and, and it's, affection. Well, and it's interesting, you know, I've watched from day one, and it's interesting to see her evolution because for so many years she was that scrappy one who kind of was getting bullied and was, I mean, Ramona beat her up one season, Kelly beat her up another season. Like, the, you know, it, as much as she's tough and scrappy, she was, like, 
really kind of knocked around by those women because I always think she had that spit and vinegar that they saw Mm -hmm. that was threatening. Mm -hmm. And then so to see her get the prize in a way Mm -hmm. and like to get the skinny girl and then the guy and then we, you know, kind of unraveled later. But I think we were all kind of rooting for her. And, you know, it it was like, wow, she can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe then we can do it, too. And she's still working her ass off. Yeah, right. She always will be, right? She always will. She always will. She'll... I think the bummer, you know, the one thing that I wish didn't happen on the show was the fight that she and Jill Zarin had. But oh they could God. not, and they could not ever patch it up. Did you, on the off camera, try to bring them together? Yeah, like, so the problem was Jill was really, really hurt. Bethany was hurt back. Ultimately, Bethany was like, okay, I have a lot of history with this woman. They were like Laverne and Shirley right. on the show. Another dated reference. Sorry. Sorry, young ones. Shmiel Shmazel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were two peas in a pod. They were so funny together. They cracked me up. And um, I cracked everybody up. They were they were great. Jill was like the crazy older sister. Right. Kooky, cool, kooky older sister that kind of showed her the ropes sometimes and took her under her wing and always had a place for her. When Bethany was down or needed, you know, needed support and Bethany, you know, made Jill funnier just by hanging around with her. Right. The two of them were a really good duo. But ultimately, stubbornness got in the way. And um, when Bethany was ready to, like, say, "Okay, I'm really I really want to patch things up. I, I really value our relationship. Jill was not ready it was like one of those horrible situations right, where right, one person timing. was ready and the other one yeah. wasn't, and then it kept flipping and flopping. And yeah. ultimately, um, Jill was holding a grudge. And Do you think that knowing them as well as you do, because you know this has been sort of discussed ad nauseum in the reality community yes. blogs, Like, do you think that Jill was just so threatened by Bethany's success, which Jill denies that she was her biggest cheerleader and that she was happy for her. But I think that maybe it's come from Bethany or it's come from Bethany's supporters that Jill just couldn't deal with Bethany's success. And that's where maybe. things started to get hairy. Maybe. I mean, I think it came from a very – I think it came from a person, very personal mm-hmm. place. And it felt – I think it – I don't know. I, I don't know if it really was about the success. I think that everyone was jealous of her success. <laughs> right, Frankly, is. everyone yeah. – you know, like anyone – yeah. To be around that, to be like, oh, my God, look at what she created. How could, like, I need to create that. Right. I, it's my, t- I'm on the show, too. Right? <laughs> right. What about me? What about my business? Right. You know, everyone was kind of scrambling to figure out what their business would be because did, they have this platform. Did that change things? Like, did that change the essence of the show? Because then it felt like every scene was about Ramona's Pinot Grigio opening party, and then it was about Luann's houseware lines or whatever it was, like, did it kind of feel like the storytelling took a back seat to like whatever brand they were trying to promote in for an organic bit. way? Yeah, for a bit. I feel like I think that at this stage, I forget what season they're in now. I feel like they've eight. I think seven or yeah. Eight. Like some of them still are trying to launch lines. <laughs> well, Sonia, I don't know if you're up on her storyline with Tipsy Girl. I saw that. The I didn't see last week's. I didn't. Um, yeah, I didn't see Bethany last week's episode, but I can't her. wait to see it. 
so sad. But they, yeah, there was a frenzy for products. Yeah, like, what was everyone right. going to do? What was it? Was it going to be a yeah. lifestyle brand? Was it going to be, right. you know, a toaster oven? That's Sonia. <laughs> Sonia. <laughs> yeah, but I think Bethany had lightning in a bottle. She like, did. that's the thing. You can't she replicate did. what you she can't. had. I know you can't. And she also had that in her head from forever. <laughs> right. Like, that was, right. that seed had been planted. She knew she wanted to do some kind of healthy food living right something and, right. and and she finally figured out that hook the sweet yeah. girl margarita being the first hook to kind of and that built the empire yeah. from there but and then you you followed you were with shed during bethany ever after and yeah. bethany gets a divorce yes. and bethany yes, <laughs> gets yes. taken to the cleaners yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when did you end up leaving so i left after five years um, we had la- launched a lot of shows while I was there. It was, we had sold Hollywood X's to VH1, Basketball Wives. Oh. We did a season of The Marriage Ref. We did a funny dog show, Dogs in the City for CBS. We yeah, did... we know how you hate dogs. Oh. We're not going to get into it. This is a very sensitive subject with me, and I don't want to have it again. <laughs> dog lovers, do not come to Jen with a pitch. Don't pitch me a she dog show. She does not like the dog show. <laughs> now, Marriage Ref, did you get to be friendly with Jerry Seinfeld? We worked with Jerry. Was it great? It Please was, say it was great. It was great. It was great. It was impressive, and it was interesting to see how a genius works really to like just see his thought to be a part of his thought process and to see how he goes from a to b to c was fascinating and just you know and a total perfectionist high stress when you work with a perfectionist like that that (laughs) is really scary keeps you on your toes it keeps you on your toes yeah but overall is he always on like is no no so just normal and he's a yeah he was normal um his wife was involved. She was cool. It was cool to see that relationship. It was cool to see him with his writers and how they all talk to each other and do everything. Um, it was it was a unique experience. Absolutely. And so then you went to CORE. And then I went to CORE. So Mark Graboff yes. was, went over to CORE. He left NBC. Okay. And he and I right. had known each other from NBC. Right, right. So he called. See everyone me. like this is good. You stay on people's good graces and you they stay, keep hiring yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You gotta stay. You gotta millennials be nice. listen up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is your lesson. Be nice. To be everyone. nice and don't say no you to never getting know who's coffee. Gonna, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you I brats. Still, I still get people coffee. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Um. So yeah. So Mark went over to Core and called me one day and said, "I really need someone to spearhead original programming for Core, and we want to." We want to grow this business and turn it into, turn it into a mini studio, and and so I thought it'd be really a great opportunity. And how often do you get to start something from scratch, but with a base? It had it had you know some shows. I mean, American Idol is one of the assets. They didn't produce American Idol, but they controlled the format mm-hmm. because Core owned Simon Fuller's company, Nineteen. Right. Okay. And Nineteen created the format. So I was there for about two and a half years, and then Mark ended up leaving because of a merger between Core, Shine, and Endemol. Oh. So my boss left, and so there's no more Core. So Core is still there. Okay. Shine and Endemol merged. Core ended up right. staying separate. Oh. Um, but Mark left, and Mark was the guy that brought me over. Got and it. So once right. <laughs> once that person leaves, it's you gotta go. Like, <laughs> yeah. You should probably, even if they right. don't ask you to go. Right. 
it's probably not the place for you. I mean, sometimes you can make the most of it, but it just, <laughs> you know, it just felt like, you know what, that was a right. great experiment. <laughs> right. Now it's time to move on. I need to go. And Lionsgate yes. was courting you. God, they're such a great company, and I really liked the people over there and had great respect for them, but I was in a contract, and so... Oh, got it. I couldn't leave, and so I, when I was able to when I was able to leave, then I then I reached out to them and said, did you hire anyone? Yeah. Um, and so it worked out. It was and really so great. And so Lionsgate is a studio, so it's Lionsgate different. Lionsgate is a studio. Just explain yes. how that's different than a production company, per se. So... Lionsgate is a, is an independent studio, and we have a lot. We're not a production company, so we do deals with production companies to produce the shows. And the point of the studio is to obviously support those companies and help finance those companies. And and the the goal and the hope is one of those producers makes a show that we can then sell because we have this amazing distribution operation. That's international. So the hope is you make the next big series that can tra- travel the world that we own or we distribute, and we and that's how the company grows. And then there's also we can also acquire companies like you know the company bought a majority stake of Pilgrim not that long ago, which is a huge production company, uh, super successful. So. Now they're part of our family. Um, And you even also own part of Pop, right? And Lionsgate and CBS are co-owners of Pop. Right. So Which used to be TV Guide Network. Exactly. So good. You know your your (laughs) TV Well, I'm just trying to inform. I I try to get this to appeal to more people than just us and the the TV world. So I try to sometimes think like, oh, this is inside baseball too much. And, And with Lionsgate, you know, what's great about it is Lionsgate makes features they great uh, scripted TV. They make great scripted TV. Orange is the New Black is one Nashville. of the Nashville please, Mad Men. Is Nashville finding another home? I'm sure it will. Oh, please, I'm sure. The story it will. can't end I'm here. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. The fans were outraged. I know. I didn't expect that because it really hasn't been good the last season. But you still love it so much that you just you don't want to see it end. Oh my god, yeah. I love Nashville. Oh, I'm so glad you yeah. love Nashville. Oh, big fan. I'm of sure course, Mad I'm Men. sure it will live on. Yeah, thanks. So good to know for you. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the details. It's right. not my thing. But I, but I, and but that's I the have thing. to so believe. So I very just, so, separate. So very yeah. separate. So I just do the alternative reality, unscripted stuff. Um, but but it's it's really wonderful being part of a studio who has all of these different businesses. We're mm-hmm. also launching SVOD services. We have Comic Con SVOD service coming out, and we just announced a Kevin Hart um, SVOD service called LOL. So there's so many different things that a studio can do, can invest in. Um, right. All these different business lines, and with a production, uh, with a very with a straightforward production company, you have one business. Mm-hmm produce shows right right and so that's a whole you know that's its own separate thing and you can make it's very it could be very lucrative if you have a volume business there's like two different types of production companies out there in our world one that really is all about volume Mm -hmm. it's like a ton of cable shows right and then the other which is the more expensive shows the network shows right fewer but bigger fewer but bigger and they're both viable businesses, right. but you're typically doing one or the other. Mm-hmm. With a studio, you can be in business with producers who are all about volume or producers that are about the big swings. 
Mm-hmm. And so we get to we get to have this like nice portfolio. So if you guys so let's just break it down a little bit. So you guys have a lot of deals with a lot of producers and what are called pods or overalls mm-hmm. and you've got some celebrities involved mm-hmm. like Christina Aguilera mm-hmm. and Craig Ferguson mm-hmm. and you've got Silver Pictures who we just worked with and then you've got sort of the regular people mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um so once a show so you guys they these producers they come up with an idea, you package it together, you sell it. Then once it's sold and let's say you're lucky enough to get a series out of it, where does the actual production of that series happen? Who's actually overseeing that? So it will flow through the production company that sold it. Right. That's, you know, the deal that we have. Right. So let's say it's K.P. Anderson or Matt Kunitz or one of those guys. It would flow through their company. Okay. And we're just there to make sure everything's smooth. Got it. That, you know, we have our own staff of people who, you know, we make sure that the budgets are what they should be. You know, we have oversight. We give them support. We give them advice. We help navigate the waters with the network, mm-hmm. um, which is sometimes tricky. tricky. Is that um, a bulk of your day? Uh, a chunk of it, for yeah. sure. A yeah. chunk of it is encouraging these network buyers to buy my <laughs> yeah. my producer's projects. Right. And are you in the room with them pitching their sometimes, shows? Yeah. Sometimes I am. It depends on the relationship. Right. If I'm introducing the producers. Right. Then I will. If they have a really great relationship, I might not. If it's a big, if it's a big show, a big expensive show, right? The the studio will want to be there to to show support. Um, and how involved are you with the day to day? Are you meeting with the producers once a week to go over their slate? Like how? I'm... Once a week or once every other week, depending okay. on the producer and the how they operate. Yeah. But every right. but but it's usually every couple weeks at the most that okay. you know that goes by and we go through their development slate. Mm-hmm. We hear what they have what they have going on. Mm-hmm. If we meet people, we I might meet someone. I take tons of general meetings yeah. with all kinds of people. Right. <laughs> Producers like who are ind- truly independent who who would need a produ- production company partner, right. celebrities, raw talent. Crazy rea- potential reality talent, yeah. you know, all all kind scripted people who want who have a great idea for a, a reality show. Right. I'm meeting with like all of these people, yeah. and, and I may say, oh, that's interesting. You should talk to this person because they specialize in this. So, um, so Lionsgate proper. So your group doesn't. Do you actually produce anything, or is it always given to one of the producers that are? At the moment, we're just filtering, filtering. But we may come up with our own ideas and then produce them produ- in house. And then, and and then, yeah, at some point. But, right. but for now, but if I'm coming, if I come up with an idea, I may call one of our producers about it to say, "Is this something you know? I was thinking about you. We thought of this idea." Right. And so they may run run with with it. it. Yeah, they may run with it. Or there may be like a cool Lionsgate property, a feature, and they're open to turning it into a reality show. And we may say, um, we may say to Pilgrim or someone else, do you guys want this? We're, you know, and then we're there as the glue to make sure that everyone is, communication is a huge part of the job. Yeah. Making sure all the different people. Know what's happening. Yeah, they're not creating the same show unbeknownst to each other. I'm yeah. sure that yeah. kind of might happen in some world. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> you have to let them do that because right. you can't, you know, like... May the best company win. Yes, like you can't, yeah. you know, you can't stop them from... Right, developing... Developing what, what they want to develop. But, but yeah, you try to guide them and help them and make sure that they're, you know, or if I have a lunch with a network, I may shoot everyone an email after to say, oh, this is what I heard they're looking for. Right. 
Right, and then they all scramble to yeah. come up with stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then did they all interact with each other, the producers? They don't all interact with each other, but they're but sometimes they do, and sometimes it makes sense for them to partner up together. Hmm. Interesting. So let's say a, one producer has an idea for a music show. We would probably say, oh, you should see if Christina's interested in that. Right. Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Perfect. And is she is she really involved? Is she actually in the she room? She and her and her fiance slash partner are really involved and very excited to do wow. projects. Yeah. So I've been doing these sort of inside the actor studio, Uh-oh. you know, oh, kind of like ask they're not hard, but I don't think they're hard, but um just to kind of, you know, keep some some common elements across each podcast. Uh-huh. So the first question is, what is your proudest accomplishment? My proudest accomplishment, um, besides my children. Right, of course. You have to say that. Uh, besides my, yeah, my having yeah. my producing my kids. Right. Your best production you've ever had. Um, I think it's Real Housewives of New York City because that was the first series that I really did after I left the, the network executive ranks. And I had to really dig in, and it was a wild ride. Um, I'll tell you, so that's like my serious accomplishment. The show, (laughs) that's a joke, but I really, to this day, have such fond memories of, is you're going to laugh. Tommy Lee goes to college. Oh, my God. Oh, God. (laughs) I am going to laugh. Because. He's an asshole, though. I worked with him once. He was? He He wasn't to us. Well, yeah, because it was a whole other. I was. Oh, my God. Well, I'll tell you off air. The only reason why I'm proud of it is because (laughs) it was like a show where I thought, this is insane and hilarious. Was it A&E? No, it was on NBC. NBC. It should have been on VH1. <laughs> right. They repeated it totally. on VH1, and it did really. It was, right. That was that was the right home for right. it. Right. But I was proud. Of, first of all, I worked with amazing people that are still, you know, that are like all over the industry today. Um, one of them is Corey Henson, who's running yeah, Fox. for Fox. Um, but she, but I was proud of that show because it was a it was a crazy joke show. <laughs> right. It was kind of like, I think it was a little ahead of its time. It was on the wrong network. But I remember thinking, I'm having so much fun on this show that I don't care if I get fired. Oh, I love that. So I felt like, you know what? It also, you have to be able to do that in your career and just say, whether it's Tommy Lee goes to college or something, probably, (laughs) hopefully for other people out there, more important, something that could actually help the world, (laughs) because it certainly didn't help anybody, but, um, or even himself, but I, or even himself, but I think that, um, but I, I just loved, I was proud of myself for not giving a shit if it, like, if it tanks, I don't care. I had a great time. That's so important. And this was fun. And it was, if nothing else, it was supposed to get attention. Yeah, and I think people underestimate um, the value of just having fun. Like, what we do is supposed to be fun, mm-hmm. and we're making TV. And mm-hmm. if it's not fun, then, like, that's, you What's know, not point? that, like, every moment has to be fun. Of course, there's annoying things. But if you really if you really love this industry enough to stay in it as long as you and I have, you're hopefully having fun. And so what's your, do you have a biggest regret? A biggest regret? Um, you know, part of me want I still I still think about and struggle with should I start my own production company 
And there was a window uh, not that long ago where I thought, well, maybe now's the time. But I really think it's not the time for me. <laughs> <laughs> I realize well, it's a tough time. It's right a now. Re- it's a tough time, and I I think the regret w- is. I should have, if I really, if I were to ever do it, it probably should have been like eight years ago, (laughs) right? Like it should have been, it should have been then. But so I'll, I I think it's one of those things that I'll always wonder. Right. But you still get to be so creative in what you're doing. Yes. Yes. So it's not like you're some, you know, suit who doesn't get to get your hands dirty. Right. And I, and, and the resources I have in my current job is amazing. I wouldn't have those resources. And a paycheck. And it's really nice to have a paycheck. It's really nice to have all those things. So I think that the the regret is if I were to try that, I missed the window where I think I could have done really well however it's never too late to start your own production company so I could do it in five years I could do it I could who knows you know it's not like I can't ever do it absolutely but it's just I always have like that's probably the one big question mark like should I have tried it yeah of course it doesn't help that people are selling their companies or were selling their companies for like gobs of of millions so so I think you know you also can't let the dollar signs drive, you, you know. No, you can't. But, but I, you do think about it. Yeah, but, but it's hard <laughs> and not you are to jealous when your, fri- when your friends are <laughs> right. like, you know, buying their beach buying houses. Their beach houses. Yeah. yeah. Well, screw them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <fuck> them. <laughs> uh, they better invite you over. So, what for you? What's the craziest show that you've ever pitched on the production company side that you've ever ever brought out to a network? The craziest yeah, show? Yeah, just like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm pitching this. Oh, okay, okay. I ha- I have an answer. I still hate this show. I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> it, was, it was a show about tiny pets. <laughs> <laughs> like little people pets, but like little li- pets. But little pets. Oh my like, God, well, you already hate like pets, people. so of course. Well, yeah, of course, I, of, course, of course I'm giving you this answer. Yeah, of course um, you are, so it was dog like hater. People, with <laughs> people are going to hate me. Really? Um, there's a reason for my fear of dogs. Um, right. So, yeah, so it was like people with tiny ponies and tiny dogs (laughs) and tiny like anything tiny you could think of like tiny monkeys and tiny it was and we were pitching it with a straight face like this is genius no it's got to be tiny cheek yeah and it was that could be like a daytime animal planet show no i guess so but it's like you kind of run out of time and what do you right it's a one hour special (laughs) yeah it's a one hour special it's like a super bowl special yeah it's on the hallmark (laughs) channel before kitty bowl yeah exactly it's it's the lead into kitty bowl (laughs) Now, what about the craziest show you've ever been pitched, like that people have brought you? Okay, so um, the craziest show I've ever been pitched was, um, you know, the movie Flatliners? I yeah. will explain for the young ones who are listening. <laughs> Meanwhile, whoever's listening, we're not like ancient. We're yeah, exactly. Like, we've got to stop. I mean, we're in our late we're 20s. Like, yeah, exactly. We're, I don't know why we're like age shaming ourselves. No more age shaming. No more age shaming. So this was like Julia Roberts and Kiefer yeah, Sutherland. Yeah, so it's like, you know, people die and then are brought back to life. Yeah. So the pitch was, oh God. we're going to find someone who is, you know, is going to be put out, put under and killed and then yeah. brought back to life. I've heard this before. Then to then only so we can hear <laughs> what they saw while yeah. they were on the other side. I, wait, this wasn't me. I feel like I've heard this before. I'm sure you have. Yeah. But maybe right. maybe you were you like, know. and I'm sorry, what insurance is going to be? Yeah, I was like, that? I was like, you're kidding, right? Like you're. <laughs> right. That's a, that's a joke. Yeah. Right? Um, no. Yeah. That's hilarious. I'm sure. I can't believe it wasn't done on like Fox. 
Oh, yeah. And like back, back in the, the day. day. It's <laughs> very Darnellian. Totally. So if you had to name your top three reality shows on the air right now that you love watching. Oh, my God, on the air right now. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, it could be of all okay, time. Okay, okay. Obviously, Tommy Lee Goes to College is of all time. <laughs> okay, so I'll just do what's on TV right yeah. now. Like, kind of, even if it's not on the schedule right now. Like, in the, right. in the, in the, okay. zeitgeist, in the zeitgeist of the last few years. Okay, MasterChef Junior. Mm, wonderful. Love it. Um, you're going to see a theme here. Top Chef. <laughs> a cutthroat kitchen. Um, okay, no, I'll stop. But I, but I do th- – but mas- I guess if I had to pick one of those food shows, it would be MasterChef Junior. I mm-hmm. love it. I think it's adorable, and I'm so impressed with those kids. Uh, it's really mind-blowing. I, I love it. Yeah, my daughter Cannot will watch it and then get in the kitchen and, like, can't even come close to doing – I mean, she gets inspired. <laughs> but how do these kids mm-hmm. – they, they are really – quite impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, these eight-year-olds that are whipping up souffles from scratch. They are. And under time pressure. Yeah. It's really, and they deal with the kids really well. Like, I think Gordon shows his, like, warm, fuzzy side. They're really sensitive to the kids. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah, it is good. I'm going to say Kicking and Screaming because that's my show coming out on Fox, and I, it hasn't hit the air yet, but I think I can't it's, wait. I'm knocking on wood. I hope it does well, but I think it's amazing. Um, Fantastic. And what else do I like? Uh, I'm gonna go back to Housewives of, of New course. York City. I'm not working on it, so right, it's, right. Not, it's not no skin in the game. No right. skin in the game. There were a couple seasons that were really deadly, and yeah. now it's back. And so, oh my I god, like in the new spades. Version. Yep. Who's your favorite housewife? Um, Bethany and Dorinda. What are you doing here without Dorinda? I love Dorinda. (laughs) She's amazing. I love her. They were saying on Watch What Happens the other night that she could easily fit into New Jersey. Right, New Jersey housewife. She's sure. so scrappy. For sure. She, with that, us, with that give her a boyfriend. And, oh, oh my god. god. A few cocktails, whatever else is going on there. Um, that crazy boyfriend. Oh my god. He's he's a, nut. he's a piece of work. He's a piece of work, but she loves him. Oh my god. Poor but Dern. I think he annoys the shit out of her. Oh my god, she's literally in disgust at him every moment. I'm like <laughs> the way she looks at him sometimes. And she leaves every meal with him. She leaves every party. I'm like, what kind of relationship is with this? You just get up and leave in the middle of whatever you're doing. It's the weirdest thing. I know. It's such a good show. It really did come back. Yeah. It yeah. did. Big it's, time. It's it's and you can say you actually had a hand in creating it. That's mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I like The Voice. I, I think yeah. The Voice is a really fun show. I, lo- it, I, a, I love it. It's a great co-viewing show, too, yeah. with the kids. Whole family watches it. Yeah. Loves it. Although I have to say that show falls apart a little bit for me after The Blinds. Like, it's so great, yes. and you can never recreate the greatness of The Blinds. Yeah. And they, they just can't. Yeah. So we always stick with yeah. We always stick with it like a little bit through the battle round and then by like episode whatever, I'm just like I don't I really actually don't care who wins. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. It's true. After the battle rounds, it's kinda yeah. like same old, same old. Piff. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is do you feel like we talked about it all? I think so. <laughs> Everything and anything? I think so. I mean you've got a big resume, but I wanted to hit the high points. I think I think we hit it. Yeah. Well, you were fantastic, Deb. Oh, thanks. Thank this you. This is fun and easy. Uh, easy? Did you think it was going to be hard? I don't know. <laughs> it's going to grill you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, this is a fun, fun so ride. So fun. So easy. Well, thank you. Thank you.